The Akar and Coca Report, episode number 120. Welcome to the Akar and Coca Report, the podcast dedicated to making sense of healthcare. From policy to economics, from evidence-based medicine to ethics, join us as Drs. Michelle Akkad and Anish Koka diagnose and treat the latest epidemic of healthcare absurdities. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to this um, next episode of the Akkad and Koka Report. We are delighted to have back on the show Dr. Anupam Singh. Dr. Singh was um, uh, a guest early on, maybe two years ago, uh, one of our, f- our first episodes, giving us a perspective on evidence-based medicine, India style. Uh, but now we're going to talk about COVID, of course, and we are very um, excited to, um, to hear uh, what's going on in India from, uh, from Anupam. Anupam is an assistant professor of medicine at the Santosh Medical College in Ghaziabad in Uttar Pradesh, which is close to Delhi. And uh, Anupam, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How are things going? Uh, in India, as of now, uh, you know, we have like 20,000 cases, uh, 20,000 odd cases right now. So as compared to what was expected, uh, you know, uh, given our high population density and everything, things are okay. Things are going in arithmetic progression around 1,000 cases a day till now. It, But... It's- Right. It seems amazing. And are, are, how confident are you? I mean, you know, because people talk about perhaps the lab, you know, that you're not f- finding all these patients or lack of testing, but one way or another, it would be v- reflected in, in the hospitals, right? If, uh, if okay. they were missing cases, what, what are your thoughts on that? So uh, there are two things, the criticism, the lack of testing have been there, but our test positivity rate is low, right? It's around 4.5% only. So that is the thing, you know, which is reassuring, number right. one, because we have expanded the test. We have done a half million tests till now, which is still lesser compared to, say, NYCT or Italy, but, but it is reassuring. I think the major cause is we started, you know, now it had a cost. We started lockdown pretty early. At 600 cases, India started a lockdown and at 10 deaths. So time-wise, so, uh, when, when was that, calendar-wise? So it was the lockdown was done. The central lockdown was done on 23rd of March. Okay. That is almost a month back. So that has perhaps led to, you know, slightly flattening of the curve. And it gave us some time. So now the cases have, you know, jumped up to 1,000 cases per day. But I think that reflects in some of the results we are getting. In addition, I think some amount of weather and possible immunity factor. This is a possible possibility might come into play, though it's still a hypothesis. So the lockdown was for the entire country of India? Yes. So this is how things, you know, have evolved in India. In early, uh, what... Uh, In around 30th of Jan, when we heard about uh, the case of the Indi- India started to bring its students back, back from Wuhan, China and many Wuhan. We brought them and quarantined them uh, near Delhi. We checked them all. Around 1st of March, we started screening all international travelers. We were already screening people from China, but we started screening all international travelers. How, how, are, you, how are you screening them? Uh, we were doing routine thermal screening and quarantining them since first of since around second second or third of March. So, do you have any? Uh, do you know how many people were um, 
screen positive and how many people are being quarantined? Okay, so I don't have the data right now, but we were essentially initially screening all the people from select countries and quarantining them from China, Thailand, and then we expanded the criteria from Dubai, Dubai around 11th, 14th March, and we included patients from US and Europe only, also when US declared an emergency on 13th okay. of March, I think, yes. And again, to be clear, the quarantine would be only in people who had the temperature or, or who had the positive test, or it was just as no, a matter of course, based anybody... On, based on uh, temperature, temperature, no... temperature screening, and we advised them home, home isolation. It was a mix of, it was a home quarantine, not a... And it was a voluntary home, voluntary home quarantine. quarantine. It wasn't, wasn't cell phone based, app based, nothing. No, no, it was, it was and then, nothing of and then uh, Europe, however, there was no ban until when? When the when was the Europe ban instituted? Around thirteenth of March, when we we started seeing a lot of cases from, uh, you know, there was a US the US uh, emergency. Probably Trump announced uh, the same, and we are seeing a lot of Italy numbers shoot up. So that is why we were late. Uh, we actually, you know, did a good job with China thing, but we were not aware, you know. Our initial surge was from patients from Dubai, which was a transit from Europe and Italy and the UK. So these were our initial numbers were coming from there. And there was a you know special cluster of, of Tablighi Zamat. It is it is a special, you know, it is a community, evangelist community, which is you know focused in Southeast Asia. It has led to a spreading event in Indonesia, Pakistan as well. So we actually, you know, missed out on this cluster which which had led to you know almost one third one fifth of cases now are from this cluster but, right but again uh, you know the, the, it sounds like really the awareness in india uh, of how much this was spreading of the kind of the pandemic nature of this uh, also kind of occurred after after the italy experience right after Bergamo and Lombardy, that, that region kind of exploded and all of us together saw that then about, you know, a few weeks later, the U.S. declared, you know, U.S. started uh, ramping up its, its, its things, declared emergency at some time. And, you know, mid-March, it was pretty obvious. I think March, here, March, I think 15th or so is when around there, I'm getting maybe off by a few days is when, you know, things really got intense in terms of saying, all right, it's likely that this is, this is spread here. But the point is, is that none of us, it didn't seem, it doesn't seem like anyone had a sense prior to mid-March that Italy was an epicenter that was probably spreading spreading stuff all over or from Europe, yeah. Uh, India, actually, we started uh, at end of Feb, we started, you know, think, uh, seeing these things and it was, you know, the discussion was pretty wide. Uh, almost the Italy numbers were shooting around this time. So we started screening as well as there was an interesting innovation also. You, you couldn't make a call in India without listening to caller tune about coronavirus and it was an advisory. I mean, it was an innovation of the sort. You couldn't call, you had to hear this one minute of, you know, info, you know, uh, that information out. You have to take precautions regarding coronavirus. So you, yeah. while you didn't have masks, people were, you know, applying all that, that sort of clothes over their noses yeah. and etc. But, but the initial... But, but the but initial, the main, you know, the executive action uh, started around 15th of March. March, right. 14th of and, March. And you had a cluster of travelers from Italy, right? That, that yes. the, I remember the initial cases, the, the, the first cases, the early, early, early cases in... in um, from Italy and... Dubai. In Italy, you were travelers from tourists from Italy, correct? Yes, yes. 
uh, we had travelers from Italy, and in fact, initial initial thousand cases, a lot of cases from Italy, Dubai, UK. These were our major, you know, chunks, not from China. And right. Then, so now, in was India? Did India have uh, testing capability in mid March? The RNA, uh, you know, sorry, the PCR test in mid March, or when did that come? Okay. So we did uh, no. Uh, so what happened uh, initially? Uh, the government took everything on it on itself. That is the story. I mean, that I see everywhere around the world. So, but we, you know, collaborated with private labs around you know fourteenth of uh, March, and we uh, allowed few labs, which were you know in partnership with Germany. And initially, they started you know uh, getting a lot of tests and. In, even now, you have only, I think, 20-30% of the tests are done in private labs also. So it is not it has not expanded, but we have like 10 or 12 companies in Frey. Many Indian-based companies have also, uh, you know, uh, started uh, getting into the act. We have few countries with do rapid PCRs. We were actually having that capability from C. We were using for TB resistance, uh, the Cephid test, the gene expert. So we had these portable point of care PCRs. So we had a culture of them the, and few Indian companies were into that on, also. But we had to import the primers, the primers where uh, we had to import them. The extraction kits initially were in short supply as the you know numbers went up, we imported quite a lot of them. So now we are doing almost 40 to 50,000 tests a day, which is still less. But the lockdown has bought us some time. Now the infrastructure is in place, though at some places it is still low. India also capped the PCR, uh, you know, cost for private labs at around sixty dollars, uh, sixty dollars. So uh, a lot of labs, for example, if I want to get a test in this hospital, I've been testing. I have that, you know, the levity. I have that. Uh, I should do it again. Uh, uh, do they run? Do they run it on site? It's the same. It's on site that you do the test. No, no, no. Or you have we to send it off. That. Okay, so I have not got this. Ideally, the TrueNet, uh, that is the portable point of care PCR, that is only a screening test. It doesn't confirm for uh, this thing because these machines are a bit costly. In Indian rupees, they cost around ten to twelve lakhs. Uh, so even the Cephid one costs around twenty to twenty-five lakhs in Indian rupees. So. Uh, these are not available to me. I get people come from sample collection centers from the uh, PCR company. They do, and the turnover time is around 12 to 24 hours. So this is currently. But we are, you know, in the people have ordered for the Abbott machine machines. But right now, what is happening is every country is caught up in its own. So big PCR machines are probably imported at some places, but they are not very, you know, the point of care PCRs machines are very not very common as of now obviously it will change at time time works recently we procured some antibody kits around 10 lakhs of them so but i mean they are more for surveillance purposes in high prevalence hotspots and india has you know integrated a sort of a di diagnostic and management strategy the antibody tests have been you know integrated in it but there are some validation issues. We bought them from China and South Korea, but there are some validation issues around it. I mean, 
the details are not clear, but people were telling the sensitivity is low. Obviously, we are not using uh, because initially our ICMR, the CDC equivalent of uh, India. So they, you know, they gave us a number around sensitivity of 80% and the specificity of 90%. So they advised to use it in only high prevalence zone or if the patient has an, had an influenza-like illness two weeks back or even with a one week of history. So they advised, you know, to use a combination of IgM plus PCR to figure out things because there have been some studies uh, and you can repeat them or advise them quarantine. But some states reported when the strategy was rolled on some test test some kits were uh, you know validated by them but when people started uh, uh, getting them into practice they were finding all sorts of results which is normally the issue with first generation ELISAs probably the issue in US as well correct so now ICMR has decided to field test them again uh, it it it, uh, it produced a moratorium for like for Two three days, it will be evaluating a lot of, doing a lot of tests in the field and see what it comes with. Though we have the access to antibody tests, they are pretty cheap, but then uh, lack of specificity is a big, big concern. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, but just um, again to, to to go back to the beginning and to be clear, there, there's no place that seems to be overwhelmed in India. The hospitals are doing okay. No. Uh, okay, so the answer is that India is quite a heterogeneous country. Uh, for example, in Mumbai, countries like Mumbai, so, uh, cities like Mumbai, Indore, they are starting to feel the pinch now. Possible community transmission is going on because you have slums in Mumbai, you know, now they have been affected and we are not getting sources of contact. So in Mumbai has been a major source. Mm -hmm. There's a city in Madhya Pradesh, Indore. That has also been overwhelmed. In between, there were cities which were involved in large numbers, but they have been contained. In particular, the state of Kerala, it had the initial influx, a lot of patients from Dubai. So, but it was contained. Thankfully, actually, India has a culture of doing. A, we have a lot of you know people that are working on the ground. We have the manpower so to run the isolation and quarantine strategies. So that also helped. And Kerala had a culture. Of containing because last year we had a Nipah virus out outbreak, so we had a you know, like just like Taiwan, which had a culture of responding to that. So Kerala contained it, and the numbers Kerala is almost the population of South Korea, though the GDP would be like ten times lower, right. but it had a, <laughs> but it had a uh, culture. So we contained it was contained in Kerala. The Kerala had have managed to flatten the curve. So, so in India, we are, yeah. Yeah, can you can you describe a little bit more specifically what that uh, strategy is in, you know, in Kerala in particular? Okay. The, okay. The, so current, are, the quarantines are public places or? Yeah, okay, so it is like a China-like approach only. Uh, we adopted some of the best practices from China that is uh, initially you bring, you, you, we test, initially we tested all the travelers and their asymptomatic contacts at 5th to 7th, 5th to 7th day when the viral load was expected to be high. We advised initially all patients to be home quarantined, uh, but it was not voluntary. The police was always there. You could, the, the people and the police used to check almost once or twice a day. They used to call them or personally came and checked for better compliance. 
for patients who or for people who lived in you know overcrowded area they were taken to the central quarantines and at many places at hotspots the central quarantine is i mean it, it is enforced at particularly at the hotspots because at, as we know from the china experience the household transmission was pretty common uh then healthcare workers if they they are symptomatic they were brought into the they are also quarantined then uh for every severe pneumonia which gets admitted we have to have a covid test these are the guidelines uh, they are you know enforced in, because in, in india the state is a health subject so states are enforcing it to various levels of efficiency some states are doing it better but some states are not but again as I, as you told that we would have expected the numbers to be showing right if it was going into the community new york style or at least style but unfortunately that is two or three weeks late but still and even syndromic surveillance as us experience shows i mean people are doing all sort of innovation they have you know said hospitals to fill it on every every prescription of tylenol every prescription of a cough syrup has to be reported via google form they have mandated the pharmacy and doctors but again this is this is state outsourcing its responsibility to private sector and the we have fever clinics in the hotspots uh, going on but every state is trying in its own way in particularly the hotspots the the execution is a bit more efficient because they are first to call we got to get that you know central quarantines i find it um um i mean obviously they must work to some extent but they must be quite a challenge also because the staff and what about the the ppe the personal protective equipment and not not getting the staff infected and and not getting this sort of perpetually um, transmitted yeah. in and out of the, the central quarantine so obviously central quarantines are you know even it's an in this challenge to liberty i mean people people don't want to be in so they would rather be in home right uh, but some experience from china show that worked uh, we are trying to because most of them are asymptomatic we just do the pcrs on the pcr on them advise uh, advise them but uh, but uh, ppes are you know since it has gone the lockdown has given us uh, some time so the ppes have been procured but till now we have not been overwhelmed but at places like mumbai it's a real challenge now they are you know making the stadiums converting the stadiums into field hospitals and they are you know placing the central quarantines over there for for the quarantine and the mild covids so they are converting as as was done in the as was done in china because they have been started they have started getting overwhelmed I'm sorry. Where so uh, they've been quarantined in the hospitals and hostels, yeah. or where, where in the hospitals? So yes, uh, YMCA hostels, many uh, hotels have been made into quarantine places at places, and the places which have not been overwhelmed, they are you know managing with the uh, primary health centers or or traditional hospitals. For example, my hospital, which is a 750 bedded hospital, has a has a facility for. 200 people for quarantine and 50 people for isolation of mild covid so hospitals have been graded according to the triage trial process there are the covid care centers which are hospitals which can also provide the icu facilities to the covid patients and hospitals have been converted into covid hospitals depending upon the level of their capability so 
firstly you have the quarantine places which might be lodges hotels like ymca they have been converted then you have the second grade where the covid hospitals take care of mainly quarantine and mild covids and other hospitals which are for covid patients which are moderate to severe that is which we are which are either desaturating just require oxygen right now but it is an evolving strategy every state is you know enforcing it in a different style in fact every county is enforcing it in a different style because in india we have an is system so every system yeah. county is in uh, right so the dm so is enforcing it in a different, in a different way right yeah So that's one of the interesting things uh, you find, uh, right? Uh, that uh, you know, across the world, it seems like there's there's very different approaches we've taken all over, right? Taiwan is a very different approach than Singapore, than than South Korea, than than India, um, and and you know, because India, like you said, is so heterogeneous. You know, Kerala has central quarantine stuff, but yet, despite the fact that there's so many different approaches, um, uh, it it seems like it seems like you know all of that is buying time, I guess. Uh, you know, I, my point is is that. Uh, it seems does it seem to not matter so much what the individual states are 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 doing because maybe of you know things related to the virus in india i have no idea or or because of um the fact that you don't you, you just because of the travel restrictions etc maybe you know and because maybe all of india isn't as traveled to as say new york or something like that um you know you didn't have as much seating and so you never had to deal with an initial startup of a vast number of kind of cases but but are you getting the sense of um that that despite every state doing something somewhat different that um you know the mechanics of what exactly each person in each state is doing you know doesn't seem to matter that much uh basically as you told rightly told it is a function of the spread is a function of viral load the initial which patients got in and we know we all know that till vaccines come it, it is going to be a long fight so of various states are going in to it at different times for example kerala is containing it now mumbai is getting it but still the approach is still vaccine comes what are your approach? you are always fending against the virus right what are your approach the approach is simple you try to run the contact and trace strategy by various strategies so this is for example northeast in india northeast states don't have high number of cases very few number of cases still now but again when the virus goes into because india has a high population density so many people initially we were advocating a test 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 south korea style approach in india which is actually which was actually not feasible giving given our limited resources the lockdown what lockdown central lockdown did was firstly it educated people people are now aware about it it gave us time yeah. to ramp up our ppe and testing capabilities because otherwise in every epidemic even so dengue epidemic even in typhoid uh outbreaks india routinely gets overwhelmed if you if you visit some hospital in india what is happening in in ny city is pretty common in india during during right. fever fever uh yeah. outbreaks in july and august yeah. so now but everyone is uh, aware about this uh, at least a culture and best practices people from kerala the states with good functional healthcare capabilities are visiting us they are trying to educate us 
so do you think do you think do you think in mumbai right uh, in in uh, dharavi um right now dharavi is you would say one of the most congested parts of the yeah. world probably right i mean i mean yeah i mean i mean yeah, I, i mean i don't even i don't uh, you know they say i don't understand how you know social distancing in dharavi must be i have no idea how that happens right i mean it's once it gets in there you, you so, look at you look at Sing, you look at singapore right singapore you know where the recent outbreak has happened has been in the dorms that they have right and the dorms that they have in singapore are much much different than 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 the than, than the ravi right i mean my god so yet you know uh, as of as of uh, as of uh, earlier today um, you know the the ravi outbreak in mumbai it's 200 right mm-hmm. uh, there were to- total total 200 cases in in, in dharavi right uh, 25 new cases detected today according to some reports right so my point is is that uh, i mean you know in in the worst congested parts where people are living very close together right um what is it that the virus is not exponentially i mean why are we not having some type of New York City type approach in Dharavi because I mean I'm sure I'm sure not every single person in Dharavi is being tested right and what's the population of Dharavi would you say 1.5 million yeah 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 something like that right 1.5 million in a very small I mean tiny tiny area very dense right I mean incredibly yeah. dense probably more dense much more dense than even New York City I would imagine yes and yet in these fertile grounds right um you're not having the virus kind of just take off so uh possible reasons i mean it is very difficult to speculate in absence of widespread testing but it is now happening in hot spots but still yeah uh, even the mortality in south korea was also low our population is a bit younger uh, in mumbai it, uh, that's so, what i was going to ask in the ravi for instance do you have a, i have no idea actually do you have a sense of are they mostly very young i mean where are all where are all the old where are all so the old people people are people are i mean even i uh, personally because not only dharavi there are many cases for example kolkata that's a fairly almost 8 to 10 cities of india would have a higher almost 1.5 times higher population density than new york so but yeah. our population is a bit younger like south korea number two maybe sunlight humidity that might have you know some role to play in restricting keeping down are not a big a bit low a bit big on uv light as of today the, the uh, uv light the role of uv light in american consciousness has risen to the top <laughs> did you see i don't know i, I don't know anupam you may not be aware did did you see the did you see the i, I you know i was i was my head was in my hands when uh, the press conference today did you see the white house press conference today or no do you know uh, what we're so, talking about no i didn't see i heard somewhere that trump was advising uv light and bleach to be <laughs> <laughs> so so here, let, let's go so we'll take a, so what happened was the department of homeland security has run some tests i guess they i mean they've run a bunch of tests i, I it sounded like to me like they're internally with dev labs johns hopkins they're working with and they were looking at uh, at that the half life of of covid of the virus in a in a variety of different conditions and uh, you know uv light sun blah 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 the half life goes from you know 18 hours to something like 2 minutes something like that so the nice dhs guy said oh you know this is interesting and whatever and you know and of course as, as soon as the politician mr trump gets up there he starts talking about you know we should think about giving uv light to people what about curing people with uv light <laughs> so but uh, but open air therapy started in us only right in boston yeah. right? you know i agree and and then i, I will put i will put a link that you shared with us uh, anupam uh, a couple of weeks ago about open air treatment for influenza so I I think there's some some uh, face value plausibility to 
<laughs> to the idea that 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 uh, sunlight can be helpful to to reduce the spread just in and of itself. Actually, you watch uh, rates of rates I, of melanoma I, I, are going to spike in ten years. I'll take it um, seriously. Every hospital of ours has shut down its AC. We have exhaust fans running all over our central quarantines. Uh, we are trying to op uh, run our OPD in open air uh, mm -hmm. because you think how will a resource constrained country manage these outbreaks? We don't have US style. Our HVAC systems are even the ICUs don't have that amount of facility. So healthcare workers will get infected. So the only way I see in addition to the tracing and con contact is to decrease the transmission. Either it comes via nice antiviral. India also advised hydroxychloroquine to all its health healthcare workers, which might or might not work. But if at all it works, it is the right possible right time to, you know, mm -hmm. to cut its <laughs> transmission. Then you have to you have to keep the transmission low via via these measures. For example, so, tuberculosis is very common in India. It is almost you know airborne, but still people have been working with it uh, with minimum minimal precaution. No one you would hardly see a hospital in India which had an N95 culture. How does it work? So hmm, yeah, put masks on the people, masks on the infected people. We ha we do have BCG vaccination, but the immunity. Uh, is pretty low. It it is said to pre prevent severe infections in two years, uh, in first two years of life. But, but again, despite tuberculosis being so prevalent in India, we are not of ten in untreated patients uh, for six months. Still, you see, you don't see a lot of people getting infected. So possibly, I mean, there's a people have you know made all sort of regression equations. So possibly, I think temperature and humidity cuts. Are not maybe 1.5 though this is not in strategy this is luck right so we cannot but I personally think ventilation is a big issue uh, at least so, uh, I believe I mean I don't have evidence but I believe because we are always trending till the time we have a good antiviral that even if it doesn't reduce the mortality rates at least it cuts down a transmission that will be our you know that will be a important weapon in our in that war. So when a no, hospital so shuts down the AC system in, in India. Can they open? I mean, are they all older buildings? They can open the windows or, or yes. what? Yes, okay. most of the Which is, you know, it's are. not the case in many, many U.S. hospitals. I mean, they're completely, you know, modern constructions, hermetically sealed, completely right. dependent on right. on um, on recirculating but, air. But they are they are, they have good uh, central air AC systems, which I probably think would work. Even I, I was seeing some hospitals in New Jersey have created ne negative airborne rooms, the conventional. They have applied pipes uh, mm -hmm. to individual rooms and they have put exhaust fans outside to create right. a negative pressure room and also put them in isopods. So we are uh, in India till now, uh, I mean, in absence of resources, I don't think the negative pressure rooms and everything, the, hardly 20% of the ICUs would have been, have the conventional, the required requisite negative pressure rooms in India. So these are the approaches we need to, you know, mm -hmm. factor. So there may be some environmental reasons why India has been spared. Um, I'm surprised again. What was the traffic from China? I would have assumed that there was a lot of uh, traffic from China early on, and that that you'd be caught off guard. Um, well, we, is that we is were, that the case? From yeah, we were actively tracking the numbers from China. China, we were pretty cautious about since start of Jan. Uh, 
from 14, 15, we are screening the patients. Now, what, uh, what is interesting here, you look at numbers in Pakistan, a country very closely linked with China, and still the numbers haven't shot there as well. I mean, they are high, but they're not that high. Now, Pakistan gives me hope. Even though they, they didn't lock down as soon as you did? Uh, they locked a week later. Okay. They locked down a week later. Hmm. Why, do they give, why do they give you hope? Because it is very closely integrated with China, like Italy, and still the caseload is low. Mm -hmm. So much more so than India, you're saying? Yes, yes. Uh, because right. if that, maybe it's due to younger population, maybe some element of environment and immunity, I don't know. But despite being slow, so integration with China, like Wuhan had with Northern Italy, still the numbers mm. are a bit low. Uh, on the question of BCG that you just mentioned, uh, there have been theories that BCGs can, can actually protect against COVID. Did you look at the numbers? Uh, some people are making claims looking at Portugal that has apparently a BCG uh, policy and Spain doesn't and, and that sort of thing. I, I, I didn't look closely. Have you, have you looked at that? No, uh, we people have started uh, these trials in India. The, there are some inactivated vaccine. It's like a Mantu test they will be doing. But I haven't looked at those numbers closely because uh, many because Indians in uh, US and UK are also getting affected, right? Uh, many people in New Jersey and Indian origin healthcare workers. So I, I don't think immunity alone is a good thing to rely upon what um so go back i think we, we go back to this I, how is it that uh, tuberculosis in you know with with, with an r naught of 10 um how does india control that in in places like the ravi i, I keep going back to the ravi because you know it seems to be the most difficult type of <laughs> so uh, so there are two, three things about uh, tuberculosis. Uh, for example, I'll try to you know talk side by side about COVID also. So one, TB has a very good drug which cuts down the viral transmission, right? In three or four doses, diazonazid and rifampicin cuts down the transmission to a substantial value. I think in India, it is very difficult to maintain social distancing. The overcrowding will always be there. The attack rates in the family. Yeah. Second, it will always be high. So you have you have to have, and we so we advise the TB patients. We they visit our mm, TB centers. It is mandatory to visit them in India. So they are advised to wear masks. We we give them good nutrition. We give start them. We give we give them one month supply of uh, antitubercular drugs. Uh, and and in general, we advise them about ventilation practices. You keep your this is the way every person on the family wears a mask. India also had an epidemic, you know, the epidemics have been happening long in India. So we have a, you know, culture, I mean, people place uh, scarves on their heads and etc. Since we had a lot of plagues in India in early 90, early 1900s. So people, maybe some older generations have that memory. So people are aware about it. So maybe some, some of that is already in place. Regarding uh, this COVID, so essentially similar principles would apply in a place where you cannot enforce social distancing, either you take them to central quarantines, if you have a good antivirals. So people were considering hydroxychloroquine prophylaxis and or to all patients of uh, 
Dharavi. Now you might laugh at it, but this is the way essentially malaria was controlled in India. I used to live in a village for 10 years. So for every presumptive fever, they used to distribute chloroquine. For trachoma, for worms, the chemoprophylaxis is pretty common in India. You visit the villages. So uh, it is pretty common. Malaria is still given presumptively. It is very common. Uh, and the anti-chloroquine giving it's a part of our national program. So uh, I was a bit surprised when people were, you know, uh, raising questions about the hydroxychloroquine toxicity, which is a much safer variant of uh, chloroquine. I, I thought, okay, efficacy is still in doubt, but it has a lot to do with politics. In India, chloroquine is used right, left and center, still in the village. And we have a village health guy who with no clinical background, they are giving chloroquine. And add, chloroquine is much more, has much more, you know, worse side effect profile than hydroxychloroquine. But uh, we, again, we don't know the hydroxychloroquine works. So if it, that works, chemophilaxis is a part of public health culture of India. So but probably what's happening is, is that you're giving out so much, so much chloroquine that, that uh, most, most of the folks are dying before they get old. And so now you are, you have a young population that's now ready for COVID. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it, it's you know it's hilarious because I mean I you know I, I, I it's not that it's not I don't that I don't appreciate um, the cardiac uh, effects of um, of these drugs, but but yeah, I mean I mean so many drugs, my God, how many how many QT prolonging drugs that are pretty powerful do we give not infrequently un, under supervision here, and you know we don't see we, I mean we no, seem but... to do it pretty safely most of the time, and here and here you know as, as you're pointing out. In India, you know, <laughs> there's some random guy in a village who's uh, who's giving giving the drug out, and I'm sure he's not doing an EKG every every day on these people. <laughs> no, hardly. Uh, people don't do ECG at all. I mean, chlor chlor chloroquine has a much worse cardiotoxic profile than uh, <laughs> you know hydroxychloroquine. Now, there was a recent EHR, a paper on medoxy, which looked at EHR. In in uh, if you are giving it alone, SQS doesn't have that that amount of tox toxicity, and if it, Cardiotoxicity, and if it was so much cardiotoxic, why were you giving it in in SLE and rheumatoid arthritis? Okay, you are giving it for immunomodulatory action, but these people are essentially at high cardiac risk. There was also a trial of hydroxychloroquine running in MI patients in Iceland. You know, I think the Ox one trial. I mean, I, okay, it is good to be suspicious of uh, you know efficacy till an efficacy is not established. You shouldn't ideally give. Uh, to uh, a drug as a prophylaxis, and I fully agree with it. But this is a, a this is a condition which has an asymmetric risk. It can kill you, even if it can kill you a case fatality rate of three or four percent. Uh, I people in Boston and in, actually we got that idea from people in Boston, right? People in Boston in uh, where doctors in Boston started using it first. Obviously, there were reports from China, but people in Boston started using it as chemo prophylaxis. Then people in Ames and Delhi adopted it. I was taking it 10 days before the advisory came in. I'm not, you know, defending uh, defending that. Obviously, yeah, the, profile, yeah. the efficacy should be established. But what is the efficacy for uh, masks, prophylactic masks? <laughs> mask is useful only as a, to prevent transmission, right? It doesn't protect you. So anything, that is why And some people were offended when I said that. Uh, hydroxychloroquine should be given as you know if it works should be given as chemo then people were advocating all kind of theories but 
this is what it is chloroquine is still widely used in india much much more toxic drug at a much more higher doses i don't right. know i mean once yeah. once once trump starts discussing chloroquine use uh, you know that's it the the media maybe will be full trump, of you know maybe when trump wears a mask n95 when people <laughs> avoid wearing it that might also happen <laughs> now obviously everywhere now in absence of in, in us uncertainty it is true every debate yeah, yeah, yeah. would be politicized that is why a need for an rct was important maybe but yeah. now that the things uh, these events are happening in us and uk uh, probably the chances will have some results of uh, rcts of i think sqs or you know uh, by i think june All right 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 by that time we would have certain amount of data Um, uh, Anupam, did uh, was uh, India involved with the first uh, SARS uh, in 2003? No, not no. affected at all. Okay. Even swine flu epidemic didn't build an N95 culture in India. I mean, somehow it just passed us, and we were wondering how to prepare for it. Now the out swine flu, the H1N1 outbreaks appear at intermittent levels with irregular intervals in India. Uh, Sanjay, how are how are how is tell tell me uh, because I don't want to keep you for too long. How how, how is how what is the economic impact of uh, this in India of the lockdown? I mean, in India, it is tremendous. Lockdown impact is tremendous. Everything almost people have been uh, people realize it now. It has been partially eased since twentieth of April. Three it has been now. eased. Oh, what? How has it been eased? What are they doing? So we, so this is how we are uh, developing up approaches around it. So we just divide a hotspot district, that is the county, based on our doubling rate, less than four days, or it should not have an absolute number, eighty percent of total cases. So the lockdowns will be prospectively extended in response to the the data which is coming, the doubling rate and the uh, absolute numbers, and the hotspots have a. fever clinics and every you know intense activity going on around there you have a containment zone zones it is being in hotspot district it is being fought on principles of war you have containment zones you have a lot of fever clinics active and passive surveillance but in other areas uh, uh, traffic has started moving and it is slightly schools will probably be closed for long time the public transport might but some economic activity will be resumed and that is my opinion but i mean it is very easy for politicians in some way to you know because they are masters of everything in lockdowns so politicians will always want to be sure but at the same time easing a lockdown without also has its risk you you would lose your political currency so politicians will always want to, if lockdown is enforced they may by they may like to at least it is true in india people want to hold it for longer to be sure but now people are realizing it it will you know constrain our economic activity to a larger extent it is already sanabam if you if you're unable to of course eradicate the virus right and the virus stays at some level right and you start moving around again um, i mean the idea is that all of these moves that we're doing um, are not aimed at eradicating things right um, yes. because it's now out of the box um, so so clearly you know so the question is will this happen again what what do you think is the best thing moving forward like what, what what's a reasonable thing that you think india should do moving forward and then and two what do you think the impact will be it, uh, of it, that it will always it 
it will obviously these outbreaks will happen once we start moving the idea the idea better idea would be to you know to look at every district county as its own in isolation and that is what, how to plan policies uh, uh, regarding it rather than shutting down an entire state that would be a wrong policy in my opinion plus the good thing lockdown has done is has it has built a culture now every doctor or patients even know so i probably think and that the transmission would be reduced but uh, people will die if the lockdown is extended people will get tired will develop corona fatigue i mean they cannot uh, people have to eat right uh, for how long they can live in their homes i mean that is probably the theme in us as well though in us people are more aggressive about it despite being such numbers <laughs> in varsity i mean <laughs> i don't know uh, but we in india we have many states which have population many cities which have population density of ny city so we have to be more careful prevention we can go it only in a defensive posture i understand for many states in us with much lower population density it, it might be a you know good approach but in india obviously a different approach has been adopted should be adopted do, do you think based on what we know that if we start moving around again and the virus is still circulating especially in some of these mega cities especially in you know slums etc that this will be you know this will this will result in a massive number of you know sizable fatality and all that yes even if infection fatality rate is say 0.05% cut it down to half keeping it mind our age profile and etc it should still be absolute numbers right So you think it's inevitable that at some point in the next year we're going to you're going to see in India a sizable number of people that are dying in July to September uh, it, it is the flu season in India so we might have a temporary quiescence in June and then followed by a surge in July or September but i am personally hoping we might have a good antiviral for example tamiflu what what it did it didn't decrease the absolute mortality decreased the some amount of viral load and decreased length of stay even I, if i would have that a certain kind of drug which decreases viral load by 30% every one of it us wears masks we have adequate ventilation strategies i i am a bit hopeful uh, because uh, prevention is our and source con- source control is possibly our best bet uh, in source control meaning meaning containment containment yeah so you, so you think you think you think india may, may be able to get by by just aggressive surveillance testing or just testing symptomatic people and then if there's a, an outbreak found just kind of containing it no in hot spots they are testing the asymptomatic they are doing random testing of asymptomatic patients they have started random testing of asymptomatic patients as well like they did in it it leave the town of woe or in south korea so obviously different approaches have to be adopted everywhere uh it, it is not that these it is going to be with us long till the vaccine is developed probably it is too early to make forecast dep- depending on what it is going on but it is very clear that every state has to every county in fact has to make a different kind of decision based on its weaknesses and strengths and one strategy won't be running it, it is not advisable to run a single strategy uh everywhere though we instituted a lockdown but i think but it was to establish a culture of testing awareness in india at least and we stop we, we were not overwhelmed that was the only good thing but this thing obviously the central lockdowns cannot go forever very good anupam it is uh, very enlightening thank you very much for spending time with us before going to work 
We wish you the best. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Akkad and Coca Report. Subscribe for free on iTunes or Stitcher at akkadandcoca.com, where you'll find detailed show notes, our blog, and more. akkadandcoca.com.